0: What's good, everybody? Welcome into a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Cosmiter, Broncos beat reporter at The Athletic. We'll be joined here in a minute by Matt, producer Cos Kosmider, um, to talk about the the sort of mock draft roundup. Uh, it's that time of year, of course, where anybody and everybody who has a pulse, who has fingers that can type on a keyboard, are creating mock drafts. Um, but obviously, there, there's some that get um, a little bit looked... Uh, looked at a little bit more intensely and, and more scrutinized um, than others. So we're going to, we're going to kind of dive into these a little bit and and try to kind of, you know, just come up with some thoughts on where, where the arrow is pointing for the Broncos as they get ready uh, in late April to make, um, you know, make a big selection, make a big decision, um, having a first round pick for the first time since 2021. Um, so we'll get into all of that. Uh, but right now it's, it's Wednesday, it's February 21st, the Broncos contingent of, of Sean Payton, George Payton, and then coaches and scouts will be headed to the combine early next week in Indianapolis. Uh, and that's really sort of a jumping off point in terms of, um, you know, the, the evaluation of some of these prospects that of course, has been ongoing. They've already, they started draft meetings, um, you know, the week after the super bowl. Uh, so they have been, they've been diving in, they've been discussing these players. They've been di- digesting the film. And of course they've had various meetings with guys down at the senior bowl in mobile earlier this month. Um, Obviously George Payton was on the road a lot, uh, you know, at college games this past. So this has been a, a building process, but what the combine allows you to do is get in the room with these guys. You start getting more in-depth medical information. Um, It's going to help you make some of these decisions. So this is where this is really where the draft preparation starts to kick into full gear. Uh, of course, before that, the Broncos will have free agency in the middle of March. Um, even before that, they have a very significant decision to make about Russell Wilson, the veteran quarterback who was benched for the final two games of last year, um, and 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 Denver has to decide um, when and if to to release him, which we think is the likely scenario for the Broncos. Um, you know, even though that will saddle them with 85 million dollars in dead money. Um, again, we've talked about this pretty extensively about about how that looks financially and where that leaves the Broncos. Um, but that's sort of where I why I wanted to talk today about some of these mock draft roundups and, and seeing sort of the consensus about about where where the Broncos will turn. And Matt, you, you go through these, whether it's the ESPN team that's doing them, our our own at the athletic, um, NFL.com, right? They all have half a dozen or so people putting together these mock drafts and it's, it's highly, highly speculative at this point, right? You're trying to match, you're trying to match the general range of a prospect with a team need. Um, but, it, but it doesn't factor in obviously the, the evaluations that teams have, um, you know, we, we don't know how, how they view of player X, right? It, it's just a, Hey, this is about the range that guy's going. And, and this is a team need. But, but given that it, it, is, it is interesting to me just to see how many how many of these mock drafts have the Broncos um, you know making a move at quarterback um, you know whether it's whether it's trading up, trading back, sticking around at number 12, you have a lot of them that end up with the Broncos um, taking say J.J McCarthy out of Michigan at number 12 or you know moving up a spot or two to get him as you kind of prepared for this and started pouring over these drafts. Um, I mean, I, I think that's, that's my takeaway is certainly the league at large expects, you know, or, 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 or certainly believe Sean Payton will be strongly entertaining the idea of adding a rookie quarterback to this. Yeah. Roster. I
1: mean, it, it would make sense, right? Obviously at this point, Sean Payton is ready to mo- if, moving on from Russell Wilson. Most likely at this point, Sean Payton wants to find a quarterback that kind of fits his scheme and fits what he wants to do. Um, whether that's somebody who's currently on the roster or it's somebody who we're going to bring in now's the time of the year where it's really, where you know, it can be fun to kind of look and figure out like who is somebody who would fit that scheme, who is somebody we would bring in and, you know, start to kind of take off on that. Some of the, the, obviously some of the stuff that kind of goes into that with the Broncos this year is their lack of a second round draft pick. Um, they don't have as much draft capital as some of the people um, around them and there are a lot of quarterback needy teams in this draft. So, you know, if you're looking at teams that are needing or potentially in the market for a quarterback, you have the Bears picking first and I think eighth. You have the Commanders, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Vikings all picking before. Uh, we get to the Broncos, barring a trade, and that's you know six potentially quarterback needy teams. Probably only drafting three quarterbacks. There's probably three quarterbacks that are kind of off the board in that early first round kind of grade, and that's Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. Um, so, in order for the, one of those guys to slip to twelve, is not really likely. And then try so you either figure out whether the Broncos would want to move up as some offer or stay and pick someone like a, a J.J. McCarthy, or potentially move back and still have the J.J. McCarthy or the Bo Nix or the Michael Pinnocks Jr., who are all kind of possibilities in that that first round still.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, Jim Harbaugh shortly after taking the job with the, with the Chargers was, uh, I can't remember who the interview was with, but he was discussing, um, you know, the quarterback position. Obviously, he doesn't need to be in that mix. He has Justin Herbert, a, a pretty nice guy to have as you walk into a new job. Um, but he was talking about J.J. McCarthy and um, allowing for bias, of course, you know, says I, I think he'll be the first quarterback taken in the draft. Um, I don't think that's the case. But but Matt, I, I would what what I would add to what you've said is I, I do think McCarthy is going to be a guy that maybe he is the fourth guy. I think there's a chance that he goes before um, Jaden Daniels. All the kind of stuff coming out now is is starting to show that he is a guy the teams think a little bit more highly of than maybe the, the media narrative would suggest. Um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, the, the NFL.com uh, analyst who does a, a fantastic job with all of his draft work, um, he had his most recent mock draft come out on Tuesday, so just yesterday from when we are recording this. And he had all four of those quarterbacks go in the top eight. Um, J.G. McCarthy going there to the Atlanta Falcons uh, at number eight. Obviously, they're one of those teams uh, in that mix, too. The Giants at six, even though they have Daniel Jones under contract, they could get out of that after this season. And and so could already be kind of looking to move on and and looking to um, sort of put the, put the new franchise quarterback in place. So they're a team you have to watch for. And I would add to what you said, Matt, is that, um, you know, even, even a team like the Raiders who are drafting behind the Broncos um, could also be inclined to move up. They have an uncertain quarterback situation as they, um you know start a new era with with antonio pierce yeah, the, so yeah yeah the raiders crowded. also
1: have you know a little bit extra draft capital they have three seventh round picks i think they have picks in, in every round before that as well they also have a new gm so there isn't really anybody in that building who's like hanging their hat on jimmy jimmy g's our guy like we're definitely sticking with jimmy g so they're definitely a guy who oh he's what was that
0: he's gone he, jimmy g's gone after uh, yeah, his suspension yeah. and, and yeah, all that but but, but, yeah, but you they have Amy yeah, O'Connell there who I think obviously there's you know they got they gotta look at him. i don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that um, he's the guy that they'll go with next year, but but they will undoubtedly be doing their homework like all these other teams. i it is I, I just think it's very it's very interesting, yeah, just how many teams are 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 in that mix. Yeah, we had Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic who covers the Bears on the pod um, a couple weeks ago, and, and we talked about how the, the quarterback offseason really does begin with the Bears in terms of what they do at number one. I think the growing thought is that they will draft a quarterback, probably Caleb Williams, with that number one overall pick. Of course, two months to go, lots can change. Um, but if they do do that, they're trading Justin Fields. So perhaps one of the other teams in that quarterback needy bunch be it the Falcons, be it the Patriots, be it the Giants, um, trades for Justin Fields, well, okay, that that's a team that's out of it. But, you know, Matt, the Broncos, I do think, if they are going to, to get one of these quarterbacks, it is probably going to require a, a trade. And uh, Chad Reuter of NFL.com, um, in his recent mock draft, I think came out last week, had the Broncos trading up to number four, Uh, with the Cardinals and selecting Drake May, who um, was available after in his mock draft, he was available after uh, the bears took Caleb Williams. The commanders take Jaden Daniels, who I I believe it was Mel Kiper who also had that as, as the pick for Washington bears take Marvin Harrison jr. And so um, you know, without that receiver for, for the Cardinals to take, they go ahead and trade back. Um, he says Cardinals get a 20, 2025 first rounder and a third rounder this year, which as you mentioned, Matt, the Broncos don't have a second round pick, uh, to work with at this point. Um, but I, I don't think that that gets it done. I think, I think if the Broncos could get all the way to number four by just giving up their third rounder and, and, uh, next year's first, um, if they, if they were in love with one of the guys on that board, I, I think they would do that in a hurry, um, you know, but just given like the what the uh, what the 49ers had to do a couple of years ago to go from 12 to three um, you know it was multiple first round picks so I, I, I don't think that quite gets it done but but that's kind of what you're looking at in terms of if you want to make that yeah
1: interestingly the Cardinals, last year had the number three overall pick and traded down to number 12 initially. Uh, and that was the first year that GM, their new GM Monty Austin for was with them. And just as kind of an example of what they got for that trade, um, they traded the number three to move down to 12. And in return, they got an extra first round the next year, a second round pick, and then they swapped a, th- a third and a fourth. So basically they got the first and a second and moved up from the fourth to the third. So, Obviously the that second round pick isn't on the car isn't on the table for the Broncos this year. So I would expect kind of like you're saying that there probably would need to be a little bit more in that deal in order for them to move up all the way from twelve to four.
0: Yeah, and the Cardinals probably feeling like they got fleeced in that deal in a way now because you know you could have drafted the defensive rookie of the year and Will Anderson. Um, that pick that first round pick that they have from Houston in 2024 ends up being in the twenties. So that, that deal probably didn't look quite as, you know, doesn't look quite as good now for Arizona as it did at the time. So there, there might be some reticence there about, um, you know, about making a deal like that. And, and of course it's very possible that, that they have Marvin Harrison jr. Available to them. and, And, and I think that that would be, that would be a hard spot to move off of if, if you're Arizona and you're trying to move forward with, with Kyler Murray and want to give him a, a target. A lot of people think Marvin Harrison is going to be one of the best receivers, one of the best prospects to come into this league at that position in a long time. So um, it, it just it just further complicates uh, the situation. I, I think one of the interesting spots in this draft um, is at number nine. So the Bears have pick one. They also have pick number nine. Now, they clearly aren't going to draft the quarterback with the ninth pick. They are going to draft their quarterback at number one, um, if that is indeed the path that they take. So now they're back at number nine, and obviously, um, you you have theoretically uh, an opportunity there to, to pick up capital for a team that really wants to go get that quarterback. And it's all, it's always, you can always kind of charge a premium when teams are trying to come up and get that guy. That's an interesting spot to me for the Broncos. If say JJ McCarthy is a player who Sean Payton really likes and you know, you've already got Williams, May Daniels off the board. Well, Hey, here's this spot at number nine that you could probably get to for, for, for a more palatable price. We're talking, maybe you give up um, your third round pick and either a 2025 third or fourth round pick right um, or maybe you can just simply offer next year's second rounder typically when teams make those deals they want to they kind of want something right then and there so i would think that you know chicago might be more inclined to say hey give us your third round of this year and then maybe your fourth in, in 2025 or your third in 2025 um that's going to be a spot to me but it just it it all depends on that on that evaluation. Yeah, and McCarthy's an interesting
1: one because you know he's been at Michigan. Obviously, he's won a lot of games. You know, and the you know you, the argument kind of comes down to whether or not you consider like wins at quarterback stat, um, because you know if you know that some guys get that that label of being a winner, even when like on tape they aren't necessarily the best thing. And like JJ McCarthy just doesn't necessarily have as much tape as some of the guys uh, like, you know, Bo Nix or uh, Michael Penix, who have been playing for five or for a a little bit longer to have more tape on him. So it'll be interesting. I I think that McCarthy is one of those guys who could be a pretty good fit though. In, um, in a Sean Payton offense, he's kind of the guy who wants to be throwing on schedule um, and kind of that rhythm rhythm kind of passer watching a watched a couple of his games this last year. And I mean, I could see it, I, I could see him being the pick there, especially at number nine, but man, a round where then you're, you're going to move up to get him. And you're not going to pick until the fourth round on a team where you have a lot of needs already. Just feels, feels rough to me, Nick. I don't know how you, how you like, he has to be the guy. Like you have to get that right. If you're going to make that trade, he's got to be the guy. Otherwise you're going to be paying for it. again. Yeah. I, th-
0: I mean, that, that's, that's what, yeah, that's what this comes down to. Um, And it's look, it's always the case when you're drafting a quarterback high that that it it has to hit, because even if you didn't have to trade anything to get him, um, you're still investing that that huge spot that, you know, whether it's the the contract, just everything that you do builds around the idea that that is going to be your quarterback and he's going to be productive in that position. And when that doesn't work out, it puts you. In a hole, and now you're adding to the the idea that you would have to trade up for a guy um, at at a at a point where you are in your sort of franchise's state where you have had a lack of draft capital over the last two years. You, you have a lack of draft capital this year, and then that further hurts you. And to that point, you know, I was thinking, Matt, earlier, um, if you were to have a if you were to have a mock draft of AFC West players. Right. You put them all on the table and, you know, there, there's four. You're going to now assemble four teams, four different GMs get to, to pick from that pile of players. Like how long would it take before a Broncos player, presumably Pat Sertan, um, gets picked off that board? Um, you, you know, you, you have the two quarterbacks that would go first. You have um, you have Max Crosby that would go near the top. You have Devontae Adams that would go near the top. You would have Kelsey. Joey Bosa, who who would go near the top. Travis Kelsey. It, I mean, I I think if, if if you're starting a team, if that's if that's where it's going. But yeah, okay. Let's say if, if you're just tr- making a team for next year, yeah, Kelsey would be would be way up there. And the point there is like Sertan, you know, s- falls into that mix slowly thereafter. But then if you re- if you kept going from there, you know, how long till number two? And, and so the Broncos. My point is, just need a they just need a dynamite football player. Like they just don't have a lot of dynamite right. football players. Um, and, and that's no disrespect to anybody on the roster. Like there's there's success stories there. There's guys that have, have really um, you know been impressive with with their with their opportunities. You, I look at a guy like Jonathan Cooper, seventh round pick, who had you know really a breakout year last year. Um, you know, a guy like Quinn Miners, who was a third-round pick, who is developing into one of the best right guards in the NFL. So I, I'm not just saying that they're devoid of talent, but you know, when you go two years without a first-round pick and and, and a, a second-round pick, um, you just lose the opportunity to to get those guys. So I see what you are saying there about any kind of trade, right? Like get, getting ready of any kind of draft capital, they have to make those decisions. With with a lot of care, with a lot of thoughtfulness, um, because of the position that they've been put in, and you add that to the fact that they need cheap talent. They they have, you know, they went out and spent more money than any team in the league last year, uh, more guaranteed money in free agency than any other team in the NFL. Um, they're not going to be able to do that this year, but they're still going to probably be trying to add in free agency, um, you know, some veterans at some key positions and. They just need to be able to develop younger, more cost-controlled players, and you get that by finding them and developing them in the draft. So, that, so that's established. That being said, if they could get this quarterback position right, it will, it will sort of make a lot of these problems that they're facing a lot more palatable because you would get a rookie who now he's on a rookie deal for four to five years, um, and, and, and if he fits into Sean Payton's system, if he can get out of him, what, what Payton needs to deliver the offense, a lot of other things can then fall into place. I think the thing about McCarthy that is interesting is, is in his three years as the starter, uh, I'm sorry, in his three years at Michigan, right. Uh, two, two last two years as a, as a starter, um, he's, he's improved his completion percentage, um, Kind of monumentally in each of those two years. As a part-time player in 2021, completed 57.6% of his passes. As a starter in 2022, when they went to um, the college football playoff, he, he jumped that all the way up to 65%. This year, uh, you know, as as the national champion quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines, 72.3% completion rate, 3,000 yards, uh, nine yards per attempt, 22 touchdowns, four interceptions. So he's a guy whose efficiency. Has continued to grow, and he just turned 21 years old. I I think there's a lot to like about JJ McCarthy. Now, does he have you know the the, the same arm talent that, that Caleb Williams does? Is he kind of has that uniqueness in, in the pocket? Um, maybe not to the same extent, but but I do like his athleticism. Um, he definitely has a toughness quality about him that that I think you, you know you you really like. So again, he he is just a guy that feels like that the, the Broncos will take a, a, a hard look at that, that he could be a guy where if, if if the deal is right, if they have the opportunity to move up, he could be that guy. And, and that kind of circles back to these, to these mocks. You have uh, Jason Reed ESPN, JJ McCarthy, Nick Baumgartner with us at the athletic JJ McCarthy field Yates ESPN, uh, JJ McCarthy. Uh, let's see. Lance Zerline NFL.com JJ McCarthy. So again, I, I think others are sort of connecting those dots. You know that the Broncos need a quarterback, um, and, and you know that McCarthy is a guy who's gaining steam among NFL evaluators. It feels like that could be something that we're looking at. But again, um, we're going to have to wait and see. So given that, Matt, we, I think we pretty well discussed the quarterback situation. What, what intrigues you about what the Broncos could do, be it a player that they could select, um, a, a move, a different move that they could make. Um, what, what intrigues you about the Broncos spot in the draft non quarterback edition? Well, I think in that spot, there's a few,
1: or there's a couple of edge rushers that I think would potentially be, be available in that area, as well as Byron Murphy, the second who's defensive tackle from Texas guys, a game wrecker. I think he's a guy who could be on the table there. Um, he's been kind of moving up some boards lately um, but on the edge, you have Dallas Turner from Alabama, Jared Verse from Florida State, or Layatu Latu—I probably butchered that—out um, of out of, <laughs> out of UCLA. Um, those are all guys that are filling positions. The edge rushers are filling high-value positions and positions of need, right? So the we really, I really need to see some improvement on the defensive line from the Broncos this year. I think that that's an obvious position of need going into the next season, and if. If you're drafting high in the first round, kind of some of those positions of value, you know, good X wide receiver, offensive tackle, quarterback, edge rusher are kind of the, the big positions that need. And so those are some of those guys who I could see going in that that area of the draft.
0: Yeah, I like where your head's at. I, I think that they, they really need to bolster their front seven. Uh, I think when you look at sort of the inability to, to stop the run in some pretty key moments, Last year, um, you know, the they, they waxed and waned in terms of the pass rush production. Um, obviously, during that five game win, winning streak, it was a you know it was a big part of their success. It was a big part of their ability to create some turnovers, um, but but not consistent across the board. Again, I mentioned Jonathan Cooper a, a minute ago. Again, former seventh round pick, eight sacks last year. First time really having that opportunity to be a starting edge player in the NFL. I thought really made the most of it. Um, you know, Baron Browning, again, a guy who, um, might not have the sack numbers, but, but, but is a, is a pressure player, a guy that can create havoc. Um, and I, and I think probably still has his best football ahead of him if he can stay healthy, something that's been a bit of a challenge for him in his career. Um, but you know, and Nick Benito, Nick Benito is another guy that took a step forward in year two. Um, and, and these guys will all have the benefit of, of continuity with their defensive coordinator with Vance Joseph coming back. Um, You know, so you can see those guys taking a step, but all that said, they need more talent. They, again, this goes back to that dynamite type player. Um, You know, you look across the the AFC West just again as a sampling of the league um, and, and the chiefs not only have Chris Jones, but, but drafted George Karloftis and have had him turn into, um, you know, a really productive edge player, you know, Bosa in, 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 Los Angeles. And of course, Max Crosby, Max Crosby, arguably the best defensive end in the NFL, they need, a, they need a guy to match that. They need a guy to get after these quarterbacks. And, and yeah, it, it's intriguing. Leatu, Leatu Latu out of UCLA obviously started his career at Washington, had to had to medically retire. The school medically retired him. Um, didn't look like he'd have much of a career after that, if, if at all, but um, you know was able to get cleared, rehabbed his back injury, and, and all of a sudden turns into a standout player at UCLA, like length, you know, tall, Long defender who, um, you know, really just has great reach toward the quarterback. Um, He'll be a guy, a a real guy to watch in Indianapolis in terms of what teams learn um, about his medical situation. Jared Verse, I was watching his tape a little bit this morning. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this at the NFL level, but man, Matt, there's just so many clips of him taking the offensive tackle and just shoving him into the quarterback. Um, Really kind of fun tape to watch. Murphy's another guy, obviously, DJ Jones is entering the last year of his contract. I, I've seen a lot of people saying, Hey, you know, you cut DJ Jones and, and that gives you 10, 10 million of the dollars that you need to get under the cap. Um, you know, he's in the last year of his deal. Um, I, I, I get that, but I, but I think there, they had such issues um, on the defensive line that to me, that creates a bigger problem than it's solving. And DJ Jones is a guy who in the second half of last year, I thought really came on. Um, he forced three fumbles, recovered two of them, you know, ha- had a couple sacks, I-, I-, I thought was was pretty active in the second half of last season, um, you know, has been pretty durable, nicked up here and there, but, but largely been available. Um, so, you know, I-, I, don't- I don't necessarily know that I'd want to extend him, um, you know, in an effort to bring down his cap number, but he's a guy that I think you, you want to hold on to. But given that, again, he- that's-, that's one year. Um and, and then perhaps you move on. So you get a guy like Byron Murphy, you mentioned it, Matt, can be just a game wrecker in the middle of the defensive line. Um, you know, that that would be a guy that would have instant impact because, you know, again, you're you're shuffling, you want to be able to shuffle guys more frequently on that defensive line who are standout players. I, I think that was a real a real thing you could see last year when when guys like Matt Henningsen and Jonathan Harris um were on the field, uh, again, no disrespect to those players, but it they there was a clear drop off from, from the Jones Zach Allen you know kind of front even Mike Purcell to where then you're you're, you're coming down and using some of those players they need more productive depth on the defensive line um, and then again you know Matt the the um, you know perhaps there's an appeal in in trading back as well um, this is a team as we discussed a little bit earlier that is in need of draft capital no second round pick this year as it currently stands um, one third rounder. Um, you know, they have in 2025, all their allotment of, of picks for, now. Um, for the first time. That'll be for the first time since 2021. Um, so, you know, it, they're, they're set up to be a little bit more clear going forward. So if you could have the opportunity to, to add a second rounder this year, um, you know, that, that could be something too, where you trade back, you know, from 12 to 16 or something, maybe you could still get one of those defensive players that we're talking about, um, and and then be able to get another player in the yep. second round.
1: You mentioned Indianapolis coming up with the, with the combine. Is there any group of players positions set that you think Indianapolis is more or less important to, as it comes to the draft, because that's always one of the things like, you know, the quarterbacks you're, you go, you're going to do your interview, but is there any position that you're like, I want to see the defensive lineman squad. Is there anything that you think positions that like make or break at the draft that you think the Broncos are going to be watching closely with that first round pick?
0: You know, I, I think that like there's been so much um, I think there's been so much learned about like what you're really looking for in players that certainly you know the testing measurements um, are, are still important. Like you don't wanna be some some marquee edge rusher and then you, you show up in Indianapolis and you run a four um, but but I, I think I, I think the the, the analytic based film um, you know film evaluations have become a lot more important. Obviously the, the interview, the interview stuff in Indianapolis is, is really critical for teams. Um, You know, the medical stuff, but, but I don't, I don't know that there's, it's a good question. I don't think that there's any one specific group, um, you know, that, that, that exists, right? Like it's, it's much more important. I, I mean, I think, I think when you talk about skill positions, you know, cornerbacks, I think the speed element of the combine has to be there, right? Like you need, you need to show up and, and put those kind of numbers, you know, forward teams want to be able to match what they see on film with the idea that, yeah, that that's about how that guy's moving. Um, so I, that, that would probably be like the closest thing I would say to, for these positions, it's critical that you show up and you, you, you run fast. Um, but, but again, I, I think that there's, I think the combine has become sort of more of a auxiliary piece of the evaluation for teams, um, more so than it. You know, there there might have been a time where it really was kind of maybe the tent pole evaluation, um. You know, in terms of the testing and all that, I I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I I
1: I agree. I I suspect that the interview, especially for the quarterbacks, can be can be a pretty big portion of it. There, Uh, I hear stories of
0: that's still huge. Yeah,
1: stories of them like throwing situation stuff at the quarterbacks, kind of just putting them on the spot to kind of get a get a read on some of that stuff. Feel like that maybe a little bit, but. I guess the only other thing that's coming up soon. Okay. I was going to say the only other thing that's coming up soon, Nick, is the franchise tag. Uh, The Broncos have a decision to make with the franchise tag. Do you think that they're going to be likely to send that on anybody this year?
0: I don't think so. I mean, the the only players that would be sort of like a candidate for that, um, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry uh, at, at center, but, but I think, you know, you're, you're, when you're franchise tagging him, you're paying him the average of the top five salaries in the league at that position. Um, I don't think the Broncos are ready to do that with, with Lloyd Cushionberry. I think, you know, if, because if, if they, if they want to sign him, if they want him back, I think they're more likely to, um, you know, sign him to, you know, to the long-term extension that he's going to get from somewhere in the league. And um, that allows you to then have his cat figure in 2024, a season in which the Broncos are a little bit pressed um, allows you to have that cat figure be, um, a, a little bit lower than what it would be if, if you have that franchise tag, which of course is a fully guaranteed one year deal. Um, you know, the other guy could potentially be, you know, the kicker, Will Lutz, um, who, you know, had a really nice year after the, the Broncos traded traded for him from new Orleans. Um, but again, I think, I think they could find a different way to bring him bring him back in terms of signing a new deal uh, as opposed to having to kind of fully guarantee that, that, um, that deal with a high cap figure. Next year, so I, I don't, I don't see the Broncos um, really being in the franchise tag uh, business this year. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on, what I was going to get to, was your point about the quarterback um, evaluations and the interviews being a critical piece. I think one of the things that I'm fascinated by, or one of the things I was fascinated by with Sean Payton, was you know, he made the rounds on Radio Row at the Super Bowl and, and, and you know, spent a lot of time talking about the Russell Wilson decision to come, you know, a lot of time, but not necessarily saying a whole lot, you know, as, as is to be expected. Um, but but he was also asked on, on Jim Rome's show about how, you know, what he's looking for in a quarterback. And, you know, the way that Sean Payton spoke about it was, it showed that he's eager at the very least to get into the evaluation of these guys. I, I think that's something that he hasn't really done a lot, right? You, you, for so many years, you had Drew Brees. Um, you know, obviously, he's told the stories a lot that in 2017 um, they were going to pick Patrick Mahomes had he fallen to them um, at number at number 11. He of course went at 10 to the Chiefs, who traded all the way up from the back of the first round to get him. Um, but but by and large, you know, he, Sean Payton's and his teams have not been big players in the quarterback pros, prospect business. So getting his kind of you know, evaluation or his take on, on what he's looking for, I think was interesting. And what he talked about was the most important thing to him is processing speed. And and we don't just see that as like, okay, how fast I take the snap and, and, um, you know, find my target down the field. It's, it's how do I break the huddle and, and quickly diagnose everything that I need to see. And he, you know, he kind of likened it to you know, when you get in, in one of these, you know, new age cars, Matt, you have an electric car, you have, you have a technology type car, you get in and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're working with all these different, you know, uh, you, you got your screen, you got your display screen, you've got this and that. And he's like, how quickly, how quickly do you, do you take all of that information in the car and, and, and turn it on and get ready to go. And, and that to me is, is interesting because I, I think that was where a big chasm was between he and Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I think that his the way that Russell Wilson processed, um, you know, the the line of scrimmage and all those sorts of things. Um, Sean Payton puts all of that on the quarterback in his offense. I've heard Chase Daniel, who was who was a backup in his system for a long time, talk about that fact that that quarterback drives that whole thing. And and so that is to say that I think these evaluations are going to be really interesting. Sean Payton also said it is the hardest thing to evaluate. Like you can see a little bit of it on film. Um, you know, you can try to put a guy up on the up, up on the board as you were talking about earlier. Have him diagram different things, um, but you don't get that full picture until they're really kind of there and in your system. And you just have to try to piece together as much as you can to make a judgment about a guy's processing speed and his ability to to process efficiently. So that to me is the big thing that that I'm curious to see how the Broncos. Um, You know, put all that puzzle together. Yeah,
1: especially because that's one of the biggest differences right now between the college and pro game, especially if you look at a guy like Bo Nix at Oregon, and one of the things that Oregon does really well is like they get to the ball, they snap it quickly, and the ball's out of his hands quickly. Those decisions on where he's throwing the ball are made in the huddle a lot of times. He's being told throw the ball to this guy, throw the ball here. It's not go out, read the zone, make adjustments, figure out what you need to do. So there isn't that processing stuff. It allows them to play at a higher speed and sometimes be more effective but at the NFL when defensive coordinators are much more adept at taking things away from you that doesn't necessarily work so that makes it a lot harder to evaluate that kind of thing when you have guys who are playing in that kind of collegiate offense
0: yeah no 100% it's a, it's a great point and um, you know it, it's interesting like teams have have tried to you know tried to come up with all sorts of different new ways to to again gauge that all-important kind of processor Um you know, you talk about things like the S2 cognition text test, which which got a lot of, um, you know, kind of bad press last year because CJ Stroud's results in that got leaked or, um, you know, kind of saying that he scored really low on this test, of course, um, you know, went on to have a season in which he won offensive rookie of the year and, and also just showed that he absolutely is a great processor of the field and that and in turn hit the agency that represents CJ Stroud. Um you know, they came out and said, none of their, they're not having their prospects take any of the S2 type cognition tests. None of those, they don't represent any of the, uh, I think athletes first, I believe was the name of the agency. They don't represent any of these top quarterbacks this year. Um, but I, but I think you, you might see other agencies follow, you know, that, that plan And, and not every team uses S2, um, S2 data. Um, a lot of them have kind of their own things that they use, but, but again, it's just, That's the thing that you're trying to figure out is, is how does a guy, and you mentioned him at it. And in most cases, it's a pretty big change from what they did at the college level. So again, uh, you know, McCarthy is interesting to me in that point. I I think the fact that his efficiency kept getting better is, is, is often a sign that you're, that you are starting to process things more quickly, more efficiently. Um, You know, again, in a pro style offense, you're, you're, you're throwing, you're completing 73% of your passes. You're doing something right. I don't care how much they run the football. Um, so again, we'll, we'll see, man, it's, it's exciting. I, I think, I think this is a great discussion about some of the options, some of the routes that the Broncos, um, can go, we will, um, you know, I'll be out at the combine, I'll get there Sunday night. Um, and, and we'll be kind of collecting audio, we'll hopefully talk to some people, uh, on the ground, some analysts on the ground to, to get some of their take on, on what the Broncos might do. And, and we'll cobble that all together for, for a, a podcast episode next week to, to hopefully give you guys uh, an update on the latest of where the Broncos are and some of the turns that they can make. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, Again, tell a friend, subscribe, leave us a review, let us know what you think. Uh, And until then, thanks for stopping by.